You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 515. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining me for this episode is Project Spurs' founder, Michael DeLeon. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I I, uh, I don't have any, like, Halloween hangover or anything in the Spurs one, even though it was a little late one last night, but uh, so I'm doing all right. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but in that first half against Phoenix, when I was watching it here, here at home, and, you know, they were playing in, in Phoenix... I was just like, I kind of just like dragging along. Like I was like, oh, cool. Somebody shot a three. Oh, somebody turned the ball over. Oh, it was just like, I just had no enthusiasm. I think it was just like, it just felt like a really long day because, because, you know, you, we did all the Halloween things with my family. And then of course, when the game actually starts later on at 930, it's almost like your body's worn out. You're just ready to go to bed and nope, you got to get um, powered up. So luckily I did um, go buy a Dunkin' Donuts, some extra large hot coffee. So like by halftime, oh, nice. when I, when I finally finished the whole thing, it finally kicked in and like, I was just like wired the rest of the night. So <laughs> Yeah, that was a late game. So, so Mike, let's go ahead and get into um, what's going on with the Spurs here ever since last week when I recorded with Colin Reed. Okay, so we, let's go ahead and begin by recapping the last three games that the Spurs played. Um, you know, on Saturday, they hosted LeBron James and the Lakers here in San Antonio. It was a close game again where the Spurs won by four points. Uh, they, held, they, 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 fell, they fell down by 14 at one point, a 14-point deficit, but they did come back and beat the, beat the Lakers. I almost called them the Cavs. <laughs> um, then on Monday, they hosted uh, Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the Spurs won that game in dramatic fashion in overtime by five points. The Spurs did get a 13-point lead in the first half. Dallas came back and got a 7-point lead in the second half. But then uh, De- DeMar DeRozan basically closed out the game with them, some extraordinary baskets to put the Spurs ahead and, and basically give them that little bump uh, there in overtime. And then lastly, uh, the game you and I just mentioned right now was the Phoenix game. Uh, Wednesday, the Spurs went to Phoenix uh, on the road. There was no Devin Booker, just to keep that in mind. And they basically had their first blowout of the season. They blew out the Suns by 30 points. Um, San Antonio led by 10 with 58 seconds left in the first quarter. And that was basically it. Their lead got all the way up to 32. And, you know, it was just, it was over. Pop rested all the starters. So um, the Spurs are now 5-2, and Mike, overall. They have the sixth best offense in the league at 111 points uh, per 100 possessions, 0.4, should I say. And then defensively, they've, they've made a better jump. So last week when I recorded with Colin, they were 30th. We were talking about how they were dead last. And now they've moved all the way up to 18th defensively um, at 107.5 points per 100. So just taking in these three games, what have you thought about the Spurs lately? You know, offense is, is the big thing, right? And obviously with uh, DeRozan up there, and it seems like he's, he's kind of uh... – I guess integrated himself into the offense really quickly, and, and uh, you know they're able to put up points, which is great. The only thing is on the other end, you know, defensive end, there's always been some things that I think they'll be concerning, especially when you have that game against the Lakers where they went up, and then they let them back in against Dallas. The same thing where they kind of let them back in. That was going to happen with the Suns just because they were out with Devin Booker uh, and a few players, but. Uh, Against some of the tougher teams in the West, that that that's going to be a lot harder to overcome if they allow those things to happen. Um, but you know, the one big takeaway, obviously, I think is Demar Derozan and just how well he's played. I don't think you can really even ask for anything else. I mean, just looking at his numbers is just crazy. His assist numbers are way up there. His his rebound number, I think, I think he's topped every one. I mean, it's sure it's still like seven games in or whatever, but he's he's easily topping his numbers from last year and. Um, I think his ability to pass has really saved the team without having a, a true point guard out there. Yeah, and you know, one thing I wanted to mention, like, because you, you, you kind of just nailed it right there, where there are going to be a lot of tough games, especially out west, is like, uh, I had put out a stat before the Suns game where um, it was from cleaningtheglass.com, basically saying that they were playing with the efficiency of like a 32 to 34 win team. And, and I got some heat on Twitter for that. <laughs> 
and people were, you know, you know, what do you mean? You because know, at that time the Spurs were four and two, they looked like a, like a decent team. But then when you go back and actually look at the games, like you, really, the Spurs could have walked into Phoenix zero and six on the season because that Wolves game came down to some few possessions, that Lakers game in overtime, the second Lakers game, the Mavericks game. These are all games that could have been swung in a different direction for the Spurs, where they could have been zero and six walking into Phoenix uh, last night when you, I mean Wednesday. Uh, when they played, so so it's not to say that that they're just like you know clobbering teams like they did the Suns. They they haven't really shown that except for that Phoenix game. So so you know th- that 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 thirty four win record it does kind of resemble what what they did look like at that point. Now since they beat the Suns in that dramatic fashion, their their projected their projection now is forty two wins. Um, so so you're right there where where you, where you mentioned like in the West they're going to have some tough competition nightly and especially uh, they're they're kind of getting a little break right now because we don't know exactly how how good the Thunder are going to be or the Rockets considering uh, some of their sure. issues that they're having. Um, okay, Mike, let's go ahead and get into our second topic and th- these are some some players that you just mentioned that you mentioned about the point guard spot how it's depleted in terms of um, um health and 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 depth. Uh, so the Spurs are continuing to to rely on on Brent Forbes and Patty Mills. There's been it, it looks like right now they're not going to look at either signing of a, a point guard for help or looking for a trade. So let's go through um through how these guys are holding down the fort at the point guard position now through seven games. Uh, Forbes um he's averaging 29.7 minutes. He's their fourth leading scorer, 13.4 points per game. He's uh, dishing 2.7 assists a night. He had he had a, he had a career high seven assists against the Suns on Wednesday. Uh, he's only turning the ball over 1.3 turnovers per game, um, and that's pretty you know that's that's interesting considering you know he's getting more possessions have to bring the ball up against uh, uh, the defenses. Uh, he is continuing to shoot well from three, 42 percent. When he's on the f- floor, the Spurs are a plus 4.1 points per 100. When he goes off the floor, they're uh, they're a plus 3.4. So basically, his numbers on off net rating show that he needs to be on the floor. That that the Spurs are better with him on the floor. Uh, let's look at Patty Mills, his backup. Uh, he's averaging eight points a game, one point three assists, one point four turnovers. So actually, Patty's actually averaging more uh, turnovers than Forbes, considering he's not the starter. Patty's also shooting well from three, thirty nine percent. Uh, he's he's only playing 26.7 minutes per game, so they've gone down a little bit. Uh, when he's on the floor, they're a minus 4.9 points per 100, and when he's off the floor, they're a plus 14.6. So, so statistically, uh, the Spurs are better when Patty's not on the floor, according to those numbers. Um, Pop has gone to playing less of those two-guard lineups and instead using more Quincy Pondexter off the bench with uh, Patty Mills. Um, and then both players uh, rank in the 75, 75th percentile in three-point accuracy right now. So uh, my question to you, though, after reading all those stats and everything, is do you think they're going to be okay against you know average or bad teams and maybe they'll have some, some hiccups against the really elite teams? Patty and uh, Forbes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're definitely going to have some challenges. That's one of the things before the, the Mavericks game. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. had just come off of a 27-point game, and I was kind of I was wondering what they were going to do with him. Uh, I have to give... Uh, Forbes credit though I mean wow I mean he's not some elite defender I, mean, I, I feel like he's hit the effort level is there and he's trying to stick with his guy for you know the entire length of the court and sometimes he'll get beaten things like that but he's been mostly staying in there um yeah I mean so there, there's definitely I think they've got another test coming up Saturday with two hollows I mean, it's one of the stronger point guards and uh, bigger guys and uh guards and point guards in the league so that'll be uh, tough, but I mean, I I think with what they've been able to do so far, I mean, I, you can't really. There's not much else you can do, really. I mean, they they've gotten a, a lot out of this lineup. Uh, I, I like the lineup that they've been using, putting in Cunningham and and um, obviously starting Forbes and and like I said, with DeRozan passing as much as he does, I think that helps. Uh, once they get some some guys back in, you know, whatever it is, maybe two or three weeks or so, then we'll have a better, I think, uh, understanding of what the teams can do but 
for right now, I mean, I think they, they'll be fine at that position. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some, some mismatches, though, uh, especially once they go up against, like, uh, Russell Westbrook is one example I can think of. That would be something where they might have to adjust uh, matchups a little bit. Yeah, those those are some good points you made there. And, you know, and that's the thing is, like, we're not exactly sure when um, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, or when Derek White are coming back just yet. Pop, you know, in, in the last few questions that he's gotten about those two players, he hasn't really – the Spurs and Pop haven't really given a, an actual timeline, mm-hmm. um, you know, on paper, should I say, uh, for when they're returning. And, and, you know, as long as they keep winning games and these guys are – you know, like I just mentioned, some of the on-off numbers, uh, Forbes especially is doing okay uh, – you know, and they're going to have those outliers like you mentioned against Westbrook, maybe against somebody like Kyrie Irving when they play those elite players, Stephen Curry, uh, those point guards. Then they're going to have their issues. But, you know, against most average teams and, and bad teams, they're going to be fine like we saw these these last few games. Uh, you know, as long as there's not like like, like like an all-NBA or all-star level talent, which not every team has at the point guard position, then I think they're going to be okay. And, and on those nights when they do play those types of players, they, they may struggle a little bit, and that'll be more so when we do see their, their huge defensive lapses. So I think that for now they're going to continue to stay, take that patient route uh, with these two players and um, and just wait basically till Derek White gets healthy. And, and then, you know, it, 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 it even becomes interesting about, you know, Derek White – now that Forbes is actually playing pretty pretty decently, uh, especially offensively, should I say, he's giving them a huge boost. Uh, I, I do wonder if it's just automatic. Oh, here, here, Derek, your job's back. I wondered too, though, if uh, he he will have to earn that if Forbes isn't if Forbes is kind of just staying at this level. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to walk back in. I think. I mean, obviously, I think with Pop, he'll probably put him in Austin for a little while, get his stamina up a little bit, and then and then work him back, and then have him off the bench just because I I don't see Pop as a guy that's going to totally disrupt the the lineup. Unless, you know, he sees something, he's probably going to have to see something and see enough for him to start Derek. And I think Brynn has done a good enough job, and he's averaging close to 14 points a game so far. So he's been able to add some offense and, and have a pretty good year so far. So I don't think he'd want to disrupt that too much unless he sees where, you know, defensively and point guard skills and where those uh, benefits will, uh, I guess, be above anything that Brynn can do on the offensive end. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you 100%. Basically, it's going to come down to, you know, Forbes really has to be struggling to, before we see Pop go to that, that that measure of probably putting White in when he's completely healthy. Um, okay, Mike, let's go on into our third topic, and that's going to be the um, – you, you mentioned him earlier in the conversation. Uh, it's DeMar DeRozan. Um, you know, this guy is just playing – you know, it's only been two weeks uh, into the season, but this guy was playing really, really well. The NBA overall is taking notice. He's been a Player of the Week nominee in the Western Conference for two straight weeks now since the season started. And this is interesting because, you know, a lot of, you know, there's been some criticism like, oh, maybe he just played well because he played out East in the weaker conference. Maybe that's why he was always an all-star and all-NBA player. But, you know, now he's up here in the West and he's actually playing well two weeks into the season. So he's getting that respectability of, of, of playing against the tougher competition. Uh, so over here in the West, um, through seven games with the Spurs, he's dominating. He's their leading player, uh, 27.9 points per game, 7.3 assists, 5.7 rebounds, 52% shooting from the floor. Obviously, that doesn't take into that three-point shot that he really doesn't use, but it's mostly all mid-range and at the rim. Uh, he's getting to the free throw line consistently, 5.7 free throws made per game. He's playing 37.3 minutes. When he is on the floor, the Spurs are a plus 5.5 um, net rating. When he's off the floor, they, they struggle. Uh, they're at negative 1.1. Now, Mike, what I do want to talk to you about, though, it's not just his playmaking as a player. I want to talk to you about his clutch ability, how he's been one of the go-to options for the Spurs right now when they've get, gotten down to some of these close games, and it's a reason why they did. They are 4-0 undefeated in the clutch situation. So the NBA defines a clutch situation as um, the last five minutes of a game when you're a header behind by five points. Last year's Spurs team 
which is basically missing Kawhi Leonard, went 20-17 and 17 last year in those situations. So, so basically right above 500. Yeah. Now they're 4-0, like I mentioned, with DeRozan. He's averaging 5.3 points in that, those last five minutes on 44% shooting. That's fourth best in terms of points per game. He's uh, making 1.3 free throws in that, those situations, and he's averaging uh, 1.3 assists, which is second uh, in those situations, also with zero turnovers. Wow. So what have you thought about, thought about, Mike, about DeRozan's closing ability early on in the season and how the Spurs have basically told him here, when, when, we're, when we're stuck late in games, we need you. Go, go take over. And I think that zero turnovers tells you a lot when 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 it comes to you know using the word clutch, you know I think a lot of it has to do with the 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 confidence that he that his teammates have in him and the coach should pop has in him because one of the things that when I watched him a lot in the playoffs the last few years it seemed like when they got to when Toronto got to the playoffs they had problems with those type of situations in clutch situations and so I wasn't sure. Um, how he would do, but he just seems, and at least in that regard, he seems like a different player. And I think it just has a lot to do with the confidence. I and mean, everybody trusts him to do the right things. And so far, he has. I mean, even in that um, that overtime game, I mean, he had a good shot, and he almost knocked that down. But then they they gave it to him again in overtime, and he, you know, did what he had to to do. And so uh, this is kind of. I feel like we're starting to discover a little more of of his game since we've seen him now in San Antonio. Um, I knew I knew he could be a good passer just because he had like close to five assists. But where he's at now is crazy. I mean, his rebounds were up. We're starting to see more defense from him than I think we've seen in his career. And I think those are just parts that he's also discovering under this um, uh, coaching staff and with this team. So I mean, I, I think just just seeing what he's done. I mean, uh, you know, that's closer. I mean, that, that I feel like the Spurs really kind of missed or needed that. Last year, I mean, they turned to Aldridge a lot, but a lot of times it was, it was really up to him, and there was really nobody else they could turn to. That becomes kind of a predictable thing, and I think in this case, they have some different people they can go to, but they, they trust the ball in his hands, and, and he's done everything so far to to earn that. For sure, and what's so, what's so difficult about, like you mentioned last year with Aldridge when they went 20-17 and 17 in clutch situation, is that he, he's a post-up player you know, at, at heart, so he needs to either get involved in pick and roll or get up in the post, which means that somebody needs to get the ball to him. Whereas DeMar, there was a play that stuck to, that sticks with me right now. It was that Dallas game in overtime. Pop was like basically signaling for a, for a two five a two five pick and roll. He wanted Lamarcus to come set a screen for for DeMar, but DeMar is used to these situations and he's basically able to read the floor where he felt that he had a better advantage going one on one against Wesley Matthews. So. As Lamarcus was about to start running toward that to set a pick, like Pop was signaling, uh, Demar basically told him, you know, waved him off, like, no, no, stay where you're at. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this guy one on one. And sure enough, he got to his spot. He made that 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 jumper. So that's the thing again that that Demar's been in these situations, uh, and, and this is a player that can kind of just if he sees that he has that that one on one opportunity, he's gonna take it uh, against no, no matter who the defender is, uh, like we've seen lately in these few games that he has been um, clutch, basically 4-0, the Spurs are when he's when he's on there. And something you mentioned, too, is about how the Spurs, pl- playing with the Spurs right now is opening up his game even more. I think um, Jordan Howenstein, the, the Spurs' PR guy, he had put a stat where, like, I don't think DeMar had a d- double-double at all last season, and he's already had had one here in San Antonio. Um, they, they this uh, he, he already has a career high in assists. I think it was 14 or 13 recently in mm-hmm. one of the games. And if you just look at his numbers, um, these are according to Cleaning the Glass, he has the ball in his hands a lot. For a wing player, um, he, he, he basically contributes to 32.2% of the Spurs' possessions on offense, which is 98th percentile for a wing. Uh, but then look at his assist percentage, 100th percentile. 
and he's he's assisting on 31.5% of the Spurs' um, made baskets, which is basically, that's a James Harden level efficiency in terms of uh, being a playmaker for his team. What have you thought about that, about just his ability, not just the scoring, but just that, that passing and how he opens up the offense for everyone? Yeah, I mean, and you said but with, with how he hasn't had turnovers, that's one of the things he's taking care of the ball, and, and it just seems like he has like a, a good feel for the game, and it's like you said, he's able to kind of evaluate what's going on, out on uh, what's going on, on the floor, and and kind of make the right plays and the right moves, and so uh, I really like that. I I like I said I I thought he'd I'd, he'd be a good passer, just just seeing what he's done in the past, but this is kind of just taking it up to a different level, I think. And I think like, like I said before, when you don't have a true point guard, when you're relying on kind of a spot-up shooter to play point, them having him has been kind of a luxury there because uh, he's, I mean, what, eight eight assists a game? It's just uh, you don't see a lot of starting point guards in the league have those kind of numbers. For sure. Here, I want to throw a stat out for you. This is just more like, like a guessing game, basically. I want you to guess what his mid-range percentage is right now, accuracy, just from the mid-range. Do you, uh, between 40 and 60%, where do you think it falls? Mm-hmm. I'd probably go around forty-four. Okay, it's uh, you're you're close. It's actually a little bit higher. It's at fifty percent right now. So like, uh, d- does that does that match what the eye test sees? Because for me, it almost seems like one out of every two of his of his mid-range baskets are going. Is that kind of what you're seeing from him? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like that. I mean, there's there's some points like especially last night when they were like on fire, where it seems like he can't miss. Um, so you know, that that's just yeah, that's a crazy efficient number. Yeah, and and, and that and the, the way you can tell that's efficient is because, like you mentioned there, is because it's in the 81st percentile among them all wings. So he's, you know, it's obviously early. It's only seven games of sample size, but he's making that. And, you know, I've almost got used to watching him now that I've seen him for seven games, um, you know, more more detailed. Uh, hit, hit those baskets going, whether it's the turnaround over the over the shoulder, whether it's going to the right, going to the left, all those different ways that he's able to knock down uh, his mid-range jumper. Now, obviously, he doesn't take the three ball. Um, he kind of he, he would rather take that mid-range two, but right now it's going in if you're making one out of every two you're shooting. Okay, Mike, let's go ahead and um, lastly, let's go ahead and preview the Spurs' next three games before I record next week. Um, I'll probably record it sometime next Thursday as well, so about a week from now. So the Spurs, Mike, now the, these next numbers are coming from cleaningtheglass.com that I'm going to talk about for the Spurs and for their opponents that they're going to play. So on cleaning the glass, uh, they're ranked ninth offensively, 113.1 points per 100. They're ranked 22nd defensively, 112.7 points per 100. And they're on pace to win 42 games based on their efficiency data. So their first game, Mike, is Saturday in New Orleans against, not in New Orleans, in San Antonio at home against the Pelicans. The Pelicans are 4-3. and three. Offensively, they're third in the league, um, 116.3 points per 100. Defensively, 24th, 113.3 points per 100. Now, though they are four and three, you do you do need to keep in mind that they're four and one with Anthony Davis on the court. Right. So, uh, so he has been bothered lately by a right elbow sprain. So, um, the first prediction I want you to give is who do you think wins this game Saturday in San Antonio if Davis plays, and then secondly, if he does not play, what do you think the results are? If he plays. You know, it, I was talking about this earlier with a friend of ours, a friend uh, Joe Garcia, and um, you know, I think if he plays, I would have to give this one to the, the Pelicans. And I know that they're supposed to be getting some rest, and they they got to rest the players last night a little bit, but uh, I just think that so far New Orleans, while you know the record is what it is, I mean, just what the players they have and the matchups, I think that they they present, I think that this would be kind of a hard matchup for them. Uh, so I mean, I would I would give this one to Pelicans probably not by much though probably within like five to seven points. And so if, if he doesn't play, you think that the Spurs yeah, take that for sure? Yeah, I think sure? so. Yeah, because I mean he's he's responsible for like 
you know, a big chunk of their offense so far. And then defensively as well, I think uh, Altajult could have another one of those nights like he had last night and didn't even play very many minutes because I think it would be hard for them to, to find something. They'd probably have to stick a Okafor on him or something like that, and that would be trouble for them. Yeah, for sure. So so I'm, I'm actually I'm actually with you. So if he plays, I'm going to say that the Pelicans win this one as well. I just think that that off that you know they're going to that, that he's just been a real, like a beast for them. Drew Holiday, like you mentioned, is going to give some of their their point guards, uh, Brandon Patty, some some trouble there. Uh, and then they're they're just a really dynamic team right now. With again, you got to look at that number four and one with Davis on the floor, and that only one loss was against the Warriors, and he only played like 14 minutes. So it's not even like it's a it's a it's like a full Anthony Davis game. So if he's healthy, I'm going to say that the Pelicans win as well. So that's the one that I'll write down on papers. We're assuming that he does play uh, by Saturday. Um, the next game, Mike, uh, the Spurs play a back-to-back. It's their first one of the season. They're going to play on Sunday, hosting the Orlando Magic. So Jonathan Simmons, former Spur, comes back to town. Uh, this, the Magic are two and five on today, uh, Thursday. That you and I are recording this. Offensively, they're 29th in the league, 100.6 points per 100. Defensively, they're 17th, uh, giving up 110 points per 100. Who do you have on Sunday between the Spurs and Magic? Yeah, I've got I've got the Spurs in this one. I it's probably not even close, honestly. Uh, the Magic just haven't looked very good, and uh, you know, I think they've got a few players that have done well, uh, Evan uh, Fournier and uh, Aaron Gordon, but. Um, other than that, they're not getting much help, so uh, I think I think that'll be trouble against the Spurs. Uh, I'm with you as well. I just think that you know on both both ends, whether it's offense and defense, I think San Antonio's gonna gonna uh, you know this will be one of those games that's not even not as bad as Phoenix, but where, where they they look, they get a comfortable win, maybe like eight to fifteen points, I would say somewhere in that margin. So I'm taking the Spurs as well. Uh, for that game against the Magic on Sunday, and then on on Wednesday next week, Mike, the Spurs travel to Miami against the Heat. Uh, the Heat are currently three and four. That you're, that you and I are recording this. Offensively, they're thirteenth, um, scoring one hundred and ten point eight points per one hundred. Defensively, they're um, they're only they're twelfth, giving up um, one hundred nine points per one hundred. Who do you have next Wednesday in Miami? Yeah, this is the one that's kind of harder for me to to predict, just because you said it's like on a back to back, so that kind of that always uh, you know throws it off a little bit. Not only that, but the Heat, you know, as bad as their record is, I mean, they've gotten some. Josh Richardson seems to be playing like out of his mind so far. And Ronnie McGruder has looked really good. And, you know, they've got a lot of strengths, you know, even point guard with uh, uh, Gordon Drogic and, and, you know, several players that, that can play center that uh, would be tough. So I'm going to say that that's probably close, but I would probably give that to the Heat. You know, that's a pretty close game. Okay, so you're, you're going with Miami. So, uh, okay, so if if these predictions come true, the Spurs will be 6-4 and four by, by next Thursday. Uh, I'm actually taking the Spurs in this one. Um you know, I, I was looking at the numbers. Do bother me a little bit that Miami's almost like a like a, a league average team in both offense and defense, which which, uh, which which makes me think that they do have a really good chance. Especially since they're at home against the Spurs. But I feel like uh, I, I really I really think that that the Spurs' offense is a little bit too much for them, and I think that defensively they're going to get a little bit better by the time they play Miami. Mm. And uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm also relying too much on recency bias, where I, I saw the the, hurt, the Spurs and Heat play here in town for a preseason game, and I know we can't put too much stock into preseason, but I just think that Lamarcus is going to have his way against them. I think DeRozan also is going to have a really good game, uh, and then one of those players off the bench, like a Bellinelli or a Patty Mills, someone like that, will also contribute pretty well. So uh, that's also like a toss up for me. I, I really I, I could see them losing as well, just as easily. So. So um, I'll pick the Spurs in that one. 
Um, okay, so so uh, we'll see how the predictions go. And, and like I mentioned, uh, Spurscast listeners on the last episode, that I'm going to start keeping track of how, how we do as the writers and, and the guests that come on here. Uh, so last week, myself and Colin, we, we both went 3-0 and in those predictions. Nice. So we'll see how Mike and I – yeah, we went 3-0. and We'll see how, how, how you and I do uh, this time, Mike. And it's cool because you and I actually have different opinions on that Miami game. So we'll see how that – how that goes. Um, thank you, Mike, for joining me on SpursCast episode um, 515. SpursCast listeners, if you're on Twitter, please follow him at MDeLeon. Continue to read his work over on ProjectSpurs.com. Uh, just want to uh, let the readers know on ProjectSpurs.com we have a lot of uh, stuff going on. Um, continue to check the recaps and the three standout player articles that uh, Steven Anderson writes after each game. Uh, uh, on Colin Reed's latest, he has a piece called uh, Important Defensive Stats for the Spurs where he takes a look at some of the four key stats um, that Dean Oliver first um, um, projected back when back when he was first uh, writing about basketball um, early on, and Colin looks at how how those correlate to the Spurs. Uh, De- DeRozan is the Spurs as a new captain. Late is the latest feature by Tom Petrini, where he talk, discusses how DeRozan's uh, basically talks about what me and Mike talked about as well, but more so with the numbers in the film about DeRozan's closing ability in that game, especially uh, lately. And then uh, Benjamin Bornstein, um, he has the Spurs Prospect Watch article out on DeAndre Hunter, a, a, a 3-and-D wing out of Virginia. So so the Spurs may have two two first-round picks this year uh, if if the Raptors stay really good and, 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 and the Spurs get their, their first-round pick in the 21-30 to 30 range. So so Ben's continuing to keep you all updated on the Spurs as um, um, draft prospects. And lastly, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you. Have a great day.